at Springbrook. And we welcome everyone. We certainly do. Uh, the only problem I have with, I don't care if they hang out out there. Fine. Use the parking lot. You know. but, but don't leave something of yourself behind. That, that's my concern. Uh, and <laughs> they do a lot of that. But I tell you what, just in the last couple of weeks, I've fallen in love with geese again because we have some goslings. Now, here's a picture. We have some goslings here. There's 30 of them. I'll go back. Go back. All right. Uh, there's 30 goslings. All right. And uh, there's about seven adults there. And uh, usually a clutch, they call it, of goslings. Uh, usually be eight to ten. Uh, from uh, uh, two adults. And so uh, I assume, you know, I don't know if they got a huge nest out there or just one nest. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's been fun just to watch them. In this next picture, you see a closer view. <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, they just waddle back and forth. Uh, it's interesting, as I was studying about these goslins, uh, they lay again about 8 to 12 eggs, and the goose sits on the eggs uh, while the gander uh, protects, right? The gander, and whenever that, you know, that goes straight, <laughs> he's, he's uh, warning them. He starts to honk. Uh, so, again, uh, they eventually, uh, of course, these uh, goslings are born. And within 24 hours, they can eat on their own, swim, walk, and leave something of their, themselves behind. <laughs> and then within 10 weeks, they can fly. Now, the fascinating thing about geese is that they stay together for about a year. The family does. And that's very unusual among birds. And it's a beautiful illustration uh, of how a family should work and also how a church family should work. And so we're going to be talking about this today because we're focusing on uh, discipling our children. We want to be a disciple-making community for our kids. That is part of our disciple-driven vision, and this is really one of the core parts of our vision that's going to impact our ministry, is that we want to do everything that we can to teach children the Word of God, to cultivate relationships uh, with children, uh, to help children to see how wonderful it is to live the Christian life, to model what it means to be a Christ follower. And so I'm going to reveal some things today that we've been working on for quite a while in preparation for a big change in our children's ministry and also our youth ministry on Sunday morning. So let's take a closer look. Now, one thing about geese is they protect one another. So the first thing is we need to protect our kids. Notice, our is always capitalized because... All the kids back there right now and the uh, teens that are here, there are kids. We have a responsibility to love them and to teach them and to engage uh, with them. That's a beautiful thing about a church family. I don't know if you saw this on the news. But here's a picture of some geese on I-80-94. <laughs> and, uh, i got five goslings there and... Uh, Caused some traffic issues for about 
an hour. In fact, you see in this next picture, uh, two police cars showed up and a tow truck. I don't know why a tow truck showed up. <laughs> but helping them across I-80, they stopped traffic and everything, and eventually uh, they got into a safe uh, location. But those adult geese were not going to fly away. They could have, but they were protecting their children the same way we need to protect our children. Jesus Christ was very specific about the importance of protecting children. He was asked, who is the greatest? Of course, based on our study of Jesus Christ and Peter, Peter, I'm the greatest, or one of the other disciples. But no, he brought a little child to him. And he said, children are the greatest because they come humbly to me. And he was using that as an illustration of people who become Christians. If you're going to become a Christ follower, you need to become humbly. You need to become without any pride. Pride is the number one thing that will keep a person from Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in Matthew 18, 5 through 6. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So he's talking about little children as an analogy of a person coming into relationship with Jesus. Then he goes on, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, if you were a Jew in that day listening to what he had to say, you would really kind of be shocked by that because Jews never drowned anyone. They would never drown anybody. They might stone them, but... It wouldn't drown them. The Romans drown people. What they would do is they take them out to the open sea and they just throw them overboard. And Jesus Christ amplifies it even more in talking about a great millstone. And you're talking about a millstone. I mean, this was used for farming. It was like a huge boulder. It's the idea of a person having a millstone tied around their neck and tossing them overboard. Man, they would sink. Very quickly. Well, that's what Jesus Christ has to say about how we impact other Christians. He's saying if you lead other Christ followers into sin, that's a very serious thing. So again, talking about a disciple-making community, whether it be children or adults, if we in any way lead someone into sin through our influence, Jesus Christ, that's very serious. That's very serious. But he uses children as an illustration of this. Now, children were respected within the society, but of course, parents deeply cared and loved for them, just like we do our children. And of course, we want to protect our kids. But there's so many things out there that can hurt our kids. Uh, we need to protect our kids, first of all, uh, from the media. I read a study about sexual incidents within TV and movies. Uh, it's interesting because... This study said that the average American spends one-third of their discretionary time watching TV. Number one, you take the ten things after that on the list and combine them, and still it doesn't reach one-third of time. So we watch a lot of TV as Americans. And when you talk about sexual incidences in TV and movies... What you'll find is that 50% of the time, it's very casual relationships. 10% of the time, the people just met 
and 9% of the time it involves teens. In fact, a study that was done by the Kaiser Foundation said that college students reported, 76% of college students said that they were influenced by the media because sex was so casual on TV, they didn't see a problem with it. Again, friends, the media is discipling our children, teaching our children, training our children. And we need to be so careful. And then, of course, you have technology, which helps them to get to very, very bad sites very quickly. Pornography, uh, dangerous online relationships, and every other type of sin you can think of out there. In fact, I taught a message back in October of 2013, on the 13th, and write that down if you'd like to listen to it, I go into specifics about how to protect your kids uh, from media and technology. And finally, peers. They're constantly being exposed to their peers who are living without Jesus Christ. And that, of course, uh, is something that we always need to be diligent about as parents in terms of watching who our kids are hanging out with, who are their friends. Well, how do we protect our kids? What's the main way we protect our kids? Well, the main way we protect our kids is by teaching them the truth of Scripture. We read in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you want to prepare your kids for a lifetime and protect them from this dangerous world, you need to teach them the Word of God. And of course, as you do that as they're younger, your primary goal is to lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. To help them to discover the unbelievable beauty of knowing God. Helping them to realize their sinfulness. Helping them to realize that they have a Savior. And helping them to realize that the grace flows out of heaven more than we could ever imagine. Not just uh, at salvation, but throughout our lives. That God is a God of love and patience and forgiveness. and uh, We need to teach them that. And then we need to grow them. How do we grow them? Well, we look in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. Very familiar verses. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You see, your responsibility as a parent is to lead your children spiritually. There are some parents that think, well, I'll just bring them to church and, and they'll do the job. Now, that's not what's taught in Scripture. We certainly want to help, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But you are the ones who are responsible in leading uh, your children in spiritual growth and spiritual knowledge. Uh, you'll teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So like at dinner time, and studies show that families that eat together, uh, many good things happen. And so as you sit down to eat, talk about what's going on in life and uh, talk about spiritual issues as they come up. And when you walk by the way, and then maybe that's more dry by the way. When my kids were growing up, uh, and they, they'd call out shotgun. I said, well, you're going to have to talk to me. <laughs> oh, forget it. <laughs> you know, you get to prompt your kids to, to talk to you. And sometimes they'll go into silence for long periods of time, but just have to continue to invite them uh, into relationship with you. 
and when you lie down, and when you rise. As you parents know, when your kids are younger, those are some of those beautiful times, especially when they're going to bed, because they want to stay up. So you got some time with them, some leverage, and <laughs> you just lay down with them and pray with them and uh, encourage them and snuggle uh, with them. And I tried that with my 18-year-old. That didn't work. But, um, but so enjoy that while uh, you're young. Well, friends, uh, when we talk about our disciple-driven initiative and how we want to disciple kids as a community, it's so important to realize you should never raise a child alone. Never raise a child alone. As possible, have your extended family along uh, to, to help raise that child. But that's what's so beautiful about a church community is that we do it uh, together. I read in Psalm 78, 5 and 6, the psalmist writes, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established a law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. See what's going on here? You're passing it down through the generations. The Word of God. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is our manual for living. And this is the book that we need to know, that we need to meditate on, we need to memorize, that we need to teach to our kids because it's good for teaching. God's principles about living, reproof means encouragement and exhortation. Correction, of course, means uh, correcting people in their behavior as it relates to Scripture and training in righteousness. I am just so thankful of the graces God has given me. I grew up at Temple Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois, and the church about our size. And uh, I was thinking this week just about all the Sunday school teachers that I had, um, the Carlsons, uh, yes, third and fourth grade, and the Johnsons in fifth and sixth grade. And they were there every week. Every week. And I, I cultivate, they cultivated a relationship uh, with me. They loved me. They encouraged me. They taught me. I can remember sitting in the church kitchen uh, watching slide, uh, slide strips. Uh, anybody remember those? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, the quality of media back in those days. You know, just one image up on the screen and, and then another image. But, uh, wow. I, I am so thankful for that ministry. I'm so thankful for those people, most of who passed on at this time. Uh, they made an incredible investment in my life. They taught me what it means to be a Christ follower primarily just by loving me. It's a relationship, right? That's, that's the most important thing. And I caught it. I got it. And I remember my youth pastor and all the leaders there and the impact that they made on my life. Really, I, when I think about it, that's where I, I had my spiritual foundation set. 
that is where I, I had this love for ministry that was put into my heart because of this disciple-making community that my parents put a priority, that we were there, that we were a part of it, that we were engaged. And I want to thank my mom and dad so much for making that a priority in my life. And I want to thank all of you. I want to thank Springbrook Community Church. I have three sons, 18 and uh, 21 and 23. And the most beautiful gift that you have given Lori and I and ever will was the way you discipled our kids. Of course, church was a priority for us. And they were out here and they, they created so many beautiful relationships uh, throughout the years. And we couldn't have done it without you. We couldn't have. But you're a pastor. Well, that's not the way it's designed, guys. It's, it's designed to be done together. And I, again, Lori and I are just so thankful for all the people that loved our kids and continue to love our kids. In fact, one of our kids was uh, talking with uh, one of our leaders here about career direction. So they continue to come back to people that they know in order to get advice and counsel, and they, they continue to attend, and, and people love on them. It really is a beautiful thing. It's, it's what I desire for every uh, family. Well, uh, that's why we're making some significant changes in the way we do Sunday mornings here at Springbrook in regards to our kids and our youth. Now, our current Kid City schedule is they're in here for 30 minutes, uh, the second through fifth graders, and then they go to their classrooms, and they have a teaching time for about 30 minutes. And then they have some questions and activities uh, for another 15 minutes. And I want to thank everyone who served in uh, Kids City, our children's ministry. Can you stand up just for a second if you served or are serving? Just stand up. Stand up, everybody. Everybody, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, uh, but, you know, as, as we kind of studied this, what we realized was is that our youth ministry is very strong with the leadership of Pastor Justin and, and the other leaders. And our WANA ministry is very strong with the leadership and the many people that are serving there. And, and WANA is a type of ministry that if you have good, strong leaders, you can kind of carry it. Uh, but at the same time, as we reflected upon our kids' ministry on Sunday morning. And it wasn't as strong as the others. And it wasn't because of the staff that we've had. We've had wonderful staff, uh, but we didn't have a full-time staff member committed uh, to that. So in terms of strengthening it, we said we need more time being given to that. So that's uh, why we hired Beth Menzella over the summer, uh, maybe in the future, as the Lord leads her, uh, to help out Michelle as we put more resources and more energy into our children's uh, ministry. And we're going to be talking about how we all can put more energy and resources into our children's ministry as we move on here. So this is uh, what our new schedule is going to look like starting uh, in August. Uh, the new schedule is a large group teaching and worship for 35 minutes and a small group experience for 35 minutes. So the kids will be out, uh, they won't be in the service uh, for the majority, for all of the time, 
and uh, that's common with a lot of other churches uh, in our area. And there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, the benefit of them having a large group worship time where they can sing songs that are put up on the slides and uh, again, they have music behind them and just uh, the songs that they can relate to. Now, I know a lot of kids enjoy our worship songs here, uh, but at the same time, kids are attracted to a certain type of songs that will be sung in that setting. And then uh, having a storyteller that tells that particular story uh, for that day. And uh, I've been working with Justin and Michelle on this, and we've got some great plans to make that a very exciting worship experience and learning experience. But the thing that I'm most pumped about is the small groups. This is going to be the first time in the history of Springbrook that we have had formal small groups for children. Now, during Awana, we have our handbook time, and that's kind of a small group, but it's more of a task group in terms of learning the verses. But these small groups will actually be like the small groups that you go to. Uh, there'll be a time of uh, just discussing the story. There'll be a time of talking about life issues. I'm not sure what a first grader's life issues are. I forgot, so. <laughs> but they have them. <laughs> and prayer. And prayer. And that is so cool. If we really want to disciple our kids. It happens through relationships. And so uh, that's how we protect our kids. By teaching them the Word of God. By loving them through relationships. And helping them to understand life uh, from a Christian world view and not what they hear all week long. Well, the second area is we need to care uh, for our kids. We need to care for our kids. And it's very interesting about geese. Uh, they have this uh, policy, no goose left behind. And so what happens is when a goose is injured, like you see in this uh, picture, uh, when a goose is injured in some way, what they'll do is they'll have two geese fall out of the formation, the flock, and they'll just stay with that goose until either it's healed or it dies. That's commitment, isn't it? That's caring for other geese. That's what we want to do with one another, right? We want to continue to grow in love. John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By all this, people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And the greatest way to teach kids how to love one another is to be in relationship with them and love them and coach them and encourage them and teach them about how they need to love one another. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 is a great verse that kind of outlines what a small group is all about. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So a small group is when you're fleshing out Scripture, when you're talking about your life and hearing other people's stories and what God is teaching them. And in the midst of that beautiful process that's coordinated by the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you're stirred, your heart is stirred, you're you want to, to serve God in new ways. You want to experience God in new ways. Uh, that's the idea. And that's why I love small groups. is because it's a totally different dynamic than what you're experiencing here. And it's a great place to be encouraged. To be encouraged 
in walking with Jesus and experiencing His love and all the things that He wants to provide for you. Now the question is, okay, if we're going to have small groups for kids, well, how are we going to have enough people to do that? Well, today, I'm asking all of you to pray and to think and consider. If you would be involved in our, our new kid city, if you would be a small group leader, and what our plan is, as many other churches do, uh, small group leaders serve twice a month. Serve twice a month. Now, in the past, uh, we've had kind of a once a month culture. And again, that's okay. But in regards to having effective small groups, you don't want a different leader every week for a small group, right? It would be different to have a different person coming in every week to do your small group. But we're going to actually have these kids in the same groups every week. If new kids come in, we have a structure uh, for that. But these kids will come in, and hopefully they'll just have maybe two small group leaders. One every other week. That's how it works. Not on a month basis, but every other week. And I know that's a, it's a real commitment, but as we talked about disciple-driven we talked about it as a prayer initiative, right? Talked about it as a generosity initiative. Praise God for how He's provided. But we talked about it as a full engagement initiative. To be fully engaged in this ministry. We all need to be using our spiritual gifts. And we're praying that many people would step up and say, well, how does that work? Well, for example, if you are a family and, and you, you come to serve twice a month. Uh, we don't want you to miss the worship service, but in the same time, we know there are challenges with, with kids. I mean, one option is just to serve one service and then attend the other. And if your kids are good with uh, going through our program twice, and some kids love that, you know, that's cool. But at the same time, uh, that might not be workable for you. So uh, what we've thought and been taught from other churches is that uh, what you do is you, you would serve one, and then one of the parents attends the next service while the other one goes home, home with the kids. And then vice versa the next week or the next time, that kind of thing. And you say, well, Dan, that's more time. Hey, you're right, because it's ministry, right? And we need just a step up here, friends. This particular transformation of our children's ministry, I believe is going to transform our ministry. It's going to transform our kids. It's going to transform the people who are the small group leaders and serving in this ministry. I believe as unchurched families come, the number, reason that un, number one reason that unchurched families come back, come back at church is for their kids, right? Their kids get to a certain age and we've got to teach something about God, right? So they come back uh, for that purpose. And so I think that as seekers come through our doors and they experience this type of thing for their kids, they'll stay for their kids and eventually uh, God is going to work uh, in their lives. So what's the role of a small group leader? Pre-K through fifth. Well, you discuss the Bible story. Give you a list of questions based upon the Bible story that's been taught. Discuss life issues as I talked about and pray together. Friends, that's how we learn to do ministry, is by ministering uh, to kids. That's the way I grew up. You know, when I was in high school, I was teaching younger kids, and then I was in 
college. I was teaching high schoolers. And, and so that's a wonderful way for you to grow in your own discipleship. Now, we look at our roles in our current uh, kid city, and we got storytellers and we got helpers. And one thing I forgot to mention there was support people, registration desk, security, uh, things of that nature. So the roles that we're going to have in our new kid city, uh, well, we've got a lot of them. Small group leaders, support people, tech people, work in the media for the large group time, worship leaders, uh, storytellers. Uh, now, what's interesting about this is that in the past, we've had a real need for teachers. But that's not going to be as demanding anymore because we're just going to have... Uh, the people that feel gifted in teaching, that like to teach, they're going to do the teaching. And then we're going to have uh, worship people up front, one or two people in these different uh, environments uh, just leading worship. And then we'll have a few tech people and we'll have some support people. But our primary need is with small group leaders. That's what we need. And that's what we're asking for, and that's what we're praying for. And, and the beautiful thing about this is that the majority of us can be small group leaders. I mean, we'll start you out with the youngest kids if you really feel threatened. <laughs> right? A kindergartner. Do you feel threatened by a kindergartner? <laughs> no, it's a beautiful thing is that you can kind of get involved and, and, and experience ministry in a way maybe you've never experienced before. And it will begin an exciting journey for you of understanding what ministry is and how it can transform your life and you be discipled through it as well as discipling other children. Now, in our old uh, form uh, of our kids' city ministry, we had probably 160 roles. Well, we're going to need 340 roles for this new ministry. 340. We did the numbers. We said, wow, that's a lot of people. Well, we have a strategy. And as we pray that God would provide, as, as people step up and say, yes, I will serve uh, twice a month. And as we get our youth engaged, uh, we really believe that we can cover all the bases and really create just an amazing experience for kids on Sunday morning. An amazing experience for adults and teens where they can serve, where they, they, they really feel like they're led to serve. So, that's where we're going. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were saved to please God. To, to be holy. And, and God asks us uh, to serve Him, to do good works for Him. And certainly what we're talking about here is certainly serving God and, and serving others. And so uh, there are many of you that are very mature in ministry. There are those of you that are younger in the Lord, and uh, this could be a wonderful opportunity uh, for you to get engaged. And engagement in a church is so important. I was talking with a dad this past week, and they really haven't been that engaged in relationships at Springbrook over a period of years. And as I do with many parents, you know, I use the analogy that you need to make your, your spiritual development of your children a priority. I mean, certainly there's sports and academics and arts, and parents are uh, committed uh, to those, and those are wonderful things in a kid's life. And so I say with parents, I would say be committed 
to the disciple-making community at Springbrook in the same way you would a sports team. I mean, sports teams, especially as older you get, you better be there for the practices, you better be there for the games, right? Well, friends, our spiritual, our responsibility to develop our kids spiritually is much more important than other activities. I mean, other activities are great, but parents, first of all, should consider how can I involve my kids in a disciple-making community? How can we as a family uh, be involved? All right, last point is we need to equip our kids. Uh, we need to equip our kids. We can move on to the next slide. We need to equip our kids. Now, you'll see these uh, geese. This is, this is when I love geese in the V-neck, uh, or the V-formation, that is. As you see in this picture, go to the next picture. Uh, and as you know, you know, one leads and, and creates the updraft and it's easier for others to fly, and when the head geese gets tired, he goes to the back, and uh, they change positions. And what they found is that when they fly in that formation, they can fly 71% further than flying alone. 71% further than flying alone. And this is what I've been talking about today. When you're part of a disciple-making community, when you're fully engaged in a disciple-making community, you and your children can go so much further in understanding the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You can go so much further in helping your children to prepare for this life. You can go so much further in experiencing God's power and presence. You know what geese do? Uh, they honk, don't they? Here's a picture of a geese honking. It's pretty, pretty vivid, isn't it? <laughs> Why do geese honk? Well, geese honk uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, never talked to a goose, but uh, they try to figure out why they honk based on behavior. Uh, they honk to give directions. They honk to kind of give an idea of where they are in the V formation. They honk to protect. Uh, but some think they also honk to encourage. They honk <laughs> to encourage. Well, it's working together as a team. And friends, we uh, want to do the same thing. We go to the next slide. Uh, let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good deeds. Again, the idea of working together. And then I want to talk about the transformation in our, our youth ministry as we we're working through all this information and how we're going to maximize uh, Sunday mornings for both uh, kids and teens. Uh, we decided that uh, we're going to transition from a teaching orientation in our high school ministry, especially, uh, to a serving orientation. In terms of helping kids to grow as disciples in ministry. So starting, I believe in July, uh, we're going to transition our high school Sunday school into a training time for high schoolers to serve as small group leaders. So they'll be serving uh, as many times as they, as they would desire. They can serve every time if they'd like. But uh, they'll be serving as uh, some of our small group leaders. Now, we already have 140 kids involved in our children's ministry. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that cool? <laughs> but we want to take it up a notch in the area of Justin, using Sunday morning as a disciple-making experience. 
uh, Justin's leadership. He'll be a part of our new Kid City uh, design, and that's a wonderful benefit, Justin and all his gifts and his abilities. Uh, but also helping him uh, to disciple his kids. So there'll be a regular training time with the kids uh, where they'll be talking about their experiences as small group leaders, and uh, he'll be giving them different assignments uh, to help them grow as discipleship. I mean, we have a fantastic Thursday night ministry going on with JAM and Thrive Junior High and Senior High. Uh, Justin and the leaders do such a good job at that. But we thought it would be really cool if we, we did this on Sunday mornings. In fact, I had a meeting with the youth leaders on Thursday night, and they were very excited about these changes. And so it was good to hear uh, their feedback. But the teen discipleship on Sunday morning, uh, they'll be equipping uh, these teens to minister to kids. They'll have interaction with both younger and older people. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at church, and that's the way church was done back in those days. And uh, now, today, there's very limited time that's spent at church with most families. So we want to maximize that time. And so with the high schoolers, and, and we'll still have junior high Sunday school uh, taught by volunteers, uh, but if they're mature enough and they want to be engaged, uh, they can do that. Uh, but... Uh, the idea is that these kids, these teens, that is, are going to be involved uh, talking and ministering uh, with older adults uh, and also uh, with kids. And again, as I think back on my teen experience, I don't remember many Bible studies. <laughs> I know that, of course, the groundwork was set, but what I remember was the ministry experiences. I remember teaching kids of EBSs. Uh, five-day clubs, uh, going on tour uh, around the nation with our choir that we had at our church. Uh, it's so important, obviously, that we teach the Word of God, but the kids need to put it uh, to work. Well, I'm going to have uh, Justin come out at this time, and he's going to share just a little bit uh, about his thoughts about this transition. All right, well... I was on board from this from the get-go. In fact, six years ago when I started at Springbrook, uh, they said, you're going to teach Sunday school on Sunday mornings. And I was like, huh, that hasn't been done in a long time. Okay, but it worked here for a while. And so uh, I've been able to watch it and see it grow and see what it does and how effective it is, and I'm excited about that. But my main concern was raising up disciples who make disciples. And uh, that was the biggest concern. And so there's three, uh, I've been studying for a long time about uh, getting students to walk in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart. And what we see in modern youth ministry is students who depart. And so there's been a tremendous amount of research and funding done on finding out why students are leaving the church. And uh, they're looking at essentials. And there's three essentials that doing this really contributes. And the first one is getting students to serve. If students don't serve when they're a student in, in their high school years, they will tend not to serve in their college years and in their adult years after. They will not continue doing that, right? They will distance themselves from the church. And so it's really important to get them to serve, and so that's huge. The second thing is get them involved in relationships with adults. 
The more adult relationships our students have, the more the time they spend working together and speaking with one another and uh, listening about each other's lives, the more likely it is that they will continue those relationships into adulthood, right? It just develops maturity in them. And then the third reason I was really behind this is uh, my life mission goal is to make disciples who make disciples. I can teach them all day long, and one of the critiques of our ministry that's happened over and over again is we are the most overtaught ministry out there. Our our students, I counted up about 85 minutes a week. That's a whole lot more than we expect the adults to do. And so if you go to Thrive and and Sunday School, that's a lot of time listening to Justin. That's too much. And so... uh, I'm not that interesting. I can't keep that up. So so it's great to see uh, this opportunity come involved, to be involved in instead, because I'm equipping them on Sunday mornings to make disciples, that I'll sit with your student and say, here's how you be a small group leader. You know, here's how you make a disciple out of an eight-year-old so that when you have an eight-year-old one day and you're a parent, you'll know what you're doing. And so the whole goal of it is to get, uh, get our students to not depart. And that's why I think this is so valuable. Valuable. Those are three big wins for our youth ministry. And so the other thing that uh, I want to challenge parents with is I know it's kind of a, a scary thing to say, wow, I've been really used to having my kid be taught on Sundays. And as I've evaluated, and I've had six years to look at Springbrook Youth Ministries, and I look at the difference between students who go to just Sunday school and just thrive the vastly more effective discipleship environment is in that Thrive community on Thursday nights. The, the students who attend that are stronger disciples uh, than the students who attend on Sunday mornings. It's because they're in community, they're in small groups, they're reaching out to their friends, they're being mentored by adults personally. On Sunday mornings, that's not happens. They come and they listen to a message. That still is going to happen on Thursday. They're still going to get biblical teaching, but we really want to focus on serving adult connections, and really uh, getting them to make disciples so that when they're old, they won't depart. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your leadership, Justin. Appreciate that so much. Next, we have Michelle Howe, our children's director, and she's going to share some of the benefits that uh, she sees uh, with this new orientation. Thanks, Michelle, for your service. serving in children's ministry and other ministries for about 10 years now, 11 years, and I'm just so excited to be able to share with you personal benefits to serving, and I'm gearing it towards the kids. One of the, the personal benefits for me was just building relationships, building relationships with the kids, but also with other adults. That we could spur one another on to love and good deeds. That we could hold one another accountable and encourage one another. And secondly, just as I'm serving and pouring in to others, I tend to be in the Word more. I tend to rely on God more. And I grow spiritually. Yeah. And then in turn, I'm able to disciple others. If I'm not in the Word, then I can't do that effectively. The Holy yeah. Spirit doesn't work for me yeah. in that manner. Yeah. Um, and in turn, as we abide in the Lord, He bears fruit in us. And what a joy to be able to disciple others and also see the fruit in them. Yeah. And it brings so much joy. Um, 
finally um, serving in Kid City, it's going to be so much fun. Think about children, how much fun they have. They enjoy many things and they're smiling until they get crabby, but they really do have fun. And I'm really looking forward to the changes that we are making here in the large group because that is a time when we can just let it go too and enjoy worshiping the Lord. Those of you who have worked in VBS or Awana know that kids' worship is so much different than adult worship. And I tell you, the week after VBS, I find it really hard to control myself as an adult inside big church uh, because I want to do all the movements. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how and what the Lord is going to do through us. You can still do the movements, you know. Oh, we were today. <laughs> well, thank you, Michelle. Let's thank her. Yeah. Michelle's been meeting with a coach uh, for the last, I don't know, four months as we prepared uh, for this and just appreciate everything that she has done. Well, friends, we're looking uh, to see what you're thinking. If you take out this particular uh, insert, there's a graduation hat on on one side and the Kid City redesign on the other side. Uh, we're just asking for your interest at this point. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, you're not making any type of commitment, you'd be open to a phone call, you'd be open to dialoguing with somebody. And you don't have to serve twice a month. Uh, again, we need people to do that. Uh, but at the same time, if you can't do that, that's fine. Uh, so we're looking for your feedback too. Uh, so on your communication card, if you have a question or a concern about the changes we're making, please write that down and we'll give you a call. Somebody will give you a call about that and answer uh, your question or say, wow, we hadn't thought about that. Uh, certainly, it, your children can come into the service anytime, uh, so don't be worried about that either. But we really want to hear uh, from you. So if we could have our ushers come forward at this time. And again, just fill out uh, your name and email if you're interested in learning more about this new Kid City redesign and drop this in the offering bag. Dear Heavenly Father, I really, I really am uh, thrilled about this new design that we have for Sunday mornings for our kids and teens. I think it's going to be a lot of hard work, like anything worthwhile, but it's also going to be very satisfying as we see lives transformed, a new excitement, a new energy, a new momentum within our youth ministries, Lord, I pray that we be totally dependent upon you as we move forward. In Christ's name, amen.